without further ado, uh, we've got a phenomenal woman of God here. So call her family. This is house for her as well. Just come on, let's give a massive, massive welcome to Leanne tonight as she comes to bring the word. Sorry. No, it's all good. I love singing songs. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> Hello, Yella. Hi, good evening, everybody. I am really, I'm in what worship? Uh, what I felt in my heart in worship was that God really wants to wash us in the Word tonight. You know, the Word is Jesus. So He wants to wash us and renew us and cleanse us, and that's what, and healing is in this place. Where, where God is, where the Holy Spirit is, there's healing. So I really believe, and very interesting, this is our Father, that I didn't know. The word that God gave me is purpose is power. And I didn't know that you guys were talking about purpose. So I believe this is a very special word, especially for the young people as well, that we will rise up. Because family, that's what I can call you, I think sometimes we live mediocre and substandard lives, sometimes broken lives or just sad lives because we don't believe or even know that God has created us for a purpose. It is so important to know this. He created us. And knowing that purpose, this changed my life. Become the strength, actually, and the power in your life when you know. Otherwise, you literally just go by. So I always say, it's not just me, myself, and I. It's God in me. And I believe that's what he wants to remind us this morning. Now, just what does the word purpose mean? It's the reason for which something is done. The reason for which something or someone exists. And the reason for um, which someone is created. So I want to personalize it. So you and I, my purpose is the reason why I do what I do. My purpose is the reason why God created me. And my purpose is the reason that I exist. So the word that he has for us, there is power in your purpose. Now I want to start by telling you a little bit of a story, and I'm going to maybe have to read it because it's not familiar to me. But there was a famous oil field, maybe um, Rachel know, in West Texas called the Yates Pool. Now during the Depression, there was a sheep farmer in this, in this area, and his name was Yates. But Mr. Yates wasn't able to make enough money during that time in the Depression to pay his bond or even the interest on his bond. So he was in the, it was a possibility that he could lose his farm. And it was so badly financially for them that sometimes they were hungry, they didn't have clothes for the kids and all of that, so they lived off a government grant like many others at that time. So every day that he was looking after the sheep and tending to his farm, he was very worried about how he was going to pay these bills. And then one day, an oil company came to the area, and they told him that there might be oil under his feet. So they asked permission to drill a well, and he signed a contract. And at 339 meters, they struck a huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. Other wells gave up twice as much. In fact, 30 years after this discovery, one of the wells showed that it still had the potential of 125,000 barrels a day. So Mr. Yates owned this all. 
The day that he bought that land, this oil was his. He, was, he lived as a poor man, which he was actually a multi-millionaire. Because this is just the first, and I wanted to propose to you that our purpose sometimes is right under our feet. It's what we stand on. So what are we standing on? Lord is saying, you're standing on me. You're standing on the rock. So that purpose is power. Your life might look ordinary, but I want to tell you tonight that you are extraordinary. That is how God created you. So our life is not dependent on the economy. Our house is not dependent on COVID or the, or the um, results of what COVID has in people's life. Not what I look like, not where I come from. It all is. As children of God, we've got a God-given purpose. And we're going to look a little bit what that looks like. And the first thing that I want to propose to you, that God himself is the source of my purpose. John 15 verse 16, I love the scripture. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and be fruit and that your fruit should remain. Listen to this. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now this word, Jesus said, I chose you. This word chose is a Greek word, eklomahi, which means to choose, to select, to pick for oneself. So Jesus picked me and you for himself. He chose us, it says he ordained us, he established us. And then when he says that we're going to be fruit and this fruit will remain, it's interesting, this word remain is the Greek word meno, which means to stay in a given place. Why I'm sharing these words with you, because it really paints a picture for us. It's placed in the same state relation of expectancy, which means that Jesus picked me for himself to bear fruit, so that my fruit will stay put in the same state in relation to Jesus in the expectancy of God himself. That's what Jesus called us to. So there's an invisible power working in, on the inside of each one of us. It's alive in us because of who God is in our lives. He appointed us. Now, I know we live life on this earth. And I think sometimes we get so involved in just living life maybe sometimes barely making it, that we forget that we are the called of the Lord. We are the called of the Lord. We are here to change this world. Now, let's go back to the fruit, because I want to tell you about the fruit. Now, the thing about fruit on a tree is that the fruit is not to the benefit of the tree. The fruit is to the benefit of anybody who finds the fruit on the tree, okay? So your purpose is not just with you. It doesn't stop with you. It's for all the other people around you. And with God, I have learned, I'm sure you guys have, it's always about other people. It's never just about us. So first and foremost that I want us to know is that God is the source of this purpose. He is also the source of the power of the purpose. He's the source. Now, Lord, God didn't choose us for failure. He chose us for success. And that we will bear fruit. And you know, I think if you're in a bad place in your life, that can change everything if we remind us of this scripture. Because it's not about me. I don't have to look inward. The only time I look inward, then I become, I can get in a dark place. But the moment I look up and I know that I have a purpose, it changes everything, okay? 
So I call it like this. We are goers to the work, not waiters for the work. We are goers. Go, go, go. Why? Because of Jesus who lives on the inside of us. So Peter sees the same thing. He sees 1 Peter 2.9. He sees, but you are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. The King James is a peculiar people. That you may proclaim or declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness in this life. So you know what? As New Testament believers, we're in a category of our own. We're not just normal people. We're God's people. And when he says, when Peter says we're peculiar, it doesn't mean that we're strange or weird. Okay? It means that we are literally chosen by God. That he's, we are his own people. And that changed my life when I realized that it's not just a God living up there but I am in relation to him. He chose me, he called me. So we are God's own pur uh, purchase, special people. Now, when we know our purpose, it changes the very meaning of my life because otherwise I can just think I'm literally just, you know what, it, when I'm just me, then there's no relation to the world outside. But the moment when I know when God has installed the purpose in me, there's something that comes alive on the inside of us because we can have an impact in the world because purpose equals impact, okay? So the second thing that I want to talk about purpose about is my purpose is to give God glory. And this is a very easy thing to think, am I actually where God wants me to be? Is what I am doing, what I think I'm called for, is it to his glory, okay? God has a unique purpose for you that is designed to touch other lives. And I want to say to you tonight, don't give up. Because you are carrying someone's miracle in your heart. You have got someone's life or healing or something in your heart. You know, we often think it's just the people standing in the front. It's not. It's not. It's everybody. We are all called. We grew up, I grew up, I don't know, maybe Albert can feel with me, you guys maybe, that, that we have a specific picture of God. You know, it's only the preachers and the singers. And, no, every single one of you sitting here are special in God's eyes. So God has a purpose for everyone. And I love the story of Pharaoh because God even had a purpose for Pharaoh. This is how much God's power his, his purpose carries that power. Exodus 9 verse 16, God is speaking to Pharaoh. He says, but indeed for this purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Even Paul quoted this scripture in Romans 9 17. Paul said, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you. And we all know Pharaoh. He was a horrible king, okay, towards the Israelites, okay? And he thought he was in control. No, you actually weren't, okay? Even Pharaoh, in his not nice state to the Israelites, he had a purpose. God had a purpose for him. And when God has a purpose, that will manifest. That is just the way it is. So God put him in the place of being an Egyptian leader at that time. So God has a purpose for everybody, including those who resist him. But we'll talk later about how we connect with that power. Ultimately, God will get the glory, no matter what or who the person. And then the next point is God's purpose is fixed. It's unchangeable, and it can't be undone. 
Let's hear what Job said. Job said to the Lord in Job 42 verse 2, that's when Job started to get to know what actually was happening with him. He said, I know, God, that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld with you. Now, Job knew these truths when he was uh, throwing those temper tantrums with the Lord, you know, thinking that God was so horrible towards him and it was God who caused all these things. What Job did wrong was he forgot in the heat of his emotions to remind himself that God is a good God, that he's a God of love, and that God only brings good things, and this speaks to me and to you. I want us to hear this, that God is good, that when something is bad, it's from the devil. If something is good, it's from God, that he has got a good purpose for us. Job, Job thought that God was being unfair to him and he was treating him horribly until he reminded himself, why? That God is good. His plan is always good. God's good purpose would stand. It will never fail. And do you know, guys, that there are people out in this world that will get tired of trying to unrail us, to derail us. But Romans 8.28 says, those who walk with the Lord, those who worship him in spirit and truth, he will make everything turn out to the good for us. That's a promise. So there was 10 points that I want to share with you, an answer from Job to God, which is some life lessons for us. In the first place, he said to God, I know you can do everything. And this is for me our starting place. That is the power in my purpose, is acknowledging my source, saying, God, I know you can do everything. If I get sick, I say I don't have to get, stay sick because, God, I know you can do everything. I know you can change my circumstances. I know you can change any bad situation around. And the second, Job said, no thought will be held withheld from you. And I love this about our God because he sees our hearts. And I want someone needs to know tonight that God knows your heart. He looks into your heart. He's a relationship God, a God, yeah. And then Job said, I have hid counsel in my heart without proper knowledge. This is powerful. We cannot live without knowing God. And Job acknowledged that he hid things in his heart without proper knowledge. So if we're not sure about something, he gave us his word. He will tell you. He will show you. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He will lead you. We don't have to be a Job and says, I didn't know. Okay. He said, I said before I understood. Oh, my goodness, we all do that. Because we have knowledge, and then it becomes understanding, and then we have revelation. We have to understand. Knowledge enough is not enough. Knowledge on its own is not enough. You have to understand because it's only the revelation that you receive that it will actually benefit in your life. So we don't have to be Job. We have the Holy Spirit. He says he will show us things to come. Okay, and why? Don't speak before you know why. Because our words is death or life. So it matters what we say. Job said, I uttered things too wonderful for me which I did not know. And the only thing I can touch on here is that we have the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will show us things, yeah. And then he said to the Lord, hear what I have to say. And I love it because we have a heavenly father. He's a father. He, we, he loves to relate to us. So talk to him. Talk to him about your things. And then we feel better anyway, okay. And then he said, Job said to God, I want an answer from you. And I love that. Because we can expect God to respond to us. Okay? 
That's how he relate to us. And then Job said, I've heard of you by the ear. And this is how does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word. It's, it is very important what we hear. We can hear bad things too. We can hear death too. So be careful. For some reason, I'm thinking about our young ones. Be careful what you hear. Because the world wants to put us in a box. We don't have to be there. And then he said to God, now I see you. And this is when we make that connection with the Lord through the Holy Spirit that I can say, when we look into his word, I can say, now, Lord, I see what you mean. I see what you have for me. There's a future with me, with an expectant end. And then verse 10, he said, I'm disgusted with myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now, we never have to feel disgusted with ourselves because Jesus Christ died for every feeling of disgust on the cross. Okay? We can repent. What is repentance? It means to change direction. That's all you do. You change your direction. You go back to Jesus. That's how we repent. Because Jesus paid the price for us. My next point, God's purpose is the one that lasts and has results. This I really wrote very deeply on my heart when we decided to come to Cape Town. Because God's purpose, purpose lasts and it has results. And we are here because of that, believing, holding on to a promise that he's given us. Your purpose is something to hold on to, friends. Proverbs 19, verse 21 in the NIV says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. The King James says it's the Lord's counsel that will stand. So the promise is that God's purpose in your life will stand. Now listen what the word stand means. It's the Hebrew word Kum, which means to arise, to accomplish, to confirm, to endure, to lift up again, to strengthen and to succeed. This is what that standing means. So God's purpose for our lives will arise. It's going to accomplish. It will be confirmed. It will endure anything that comes against us. It will be strengthened. And thank you, God, it will succeed. The same way that he did with Saul. So we're going to learn a little bit from Saul tonight. Let's go to 1 Samuel 9. And I think I'm just going to, I'm reading to you from my spirit-filled Bible. I'm just going to read a few scriptures just to paint a picture about what happened to Saul. So we know uh, 1 Samuel 9 verse 1. It's when Saul was chosen to be king. Verse 1 says, there was a man of Benjamin, and his name was Kish. Now listen, the scripture about Saul, verse 2, it says, And he had a choice and a handsome son, whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. He was young and handsome. This was Saul. So what happened, the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And then he sent Saul's dad sent him and a servant out to go and find the donkeys. I'm sure all of you know the story, but they did not find him. And then the servant said to Saul in verse 6, Look now, there's in the city a man of God, and he's an honorable man. He was talking about Samuel. He said, all that he says surely comes to pass. I love this. I think this is a word for someone tonight. All that you say is surely to come to pass. This is a word from the Lord. So he said, the servant said, so let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should 
go. And then let's jump to verse 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear that the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry has come to me. And then verse 17 says, So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There's the man that I was talking about. He said, This one shall reign over my people. This is just amazing because the, the way that Samuel and Saul came together was absolutely supernatural. That was definitely God's purpose for them. Um, so uh, Samuel answered Saul and said, I'm the seer. Come, go up to me. And he said, they're going to eat together. And then he said in verse 20, but as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? Now, he was telling him that he was going to be king, but I want to read to you what Saul's response was in verse 21. And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? Saints, Saul here was expressing his low self-esteem. He was of the smallest. I mean, he had nothing good to say. It sounds like myself sometimes, don't you think? Hear those words? We all do that. Lord, why me? How could I come and stand here tonight after this morning? Whatever, put your picture in there. Like, like, you know, all of us has got our own story and we relate to things differently. Saul was saying, I am just not big enough for this job. Don't pick me. It appears to me that that's how the Lord orchestrated this whole thing, that it was actually supernatural when he found out that how did Samuel know about the donkeys that was lost? Okay, because I think if they just met each other, Saul could have said, well, it was just you met me and now you've decided I'm going to be king. But because there was this miraculous event, and this is how the Lord works with us as well. I think sometimes we don't look out for these supernatural moments. And I want us to really start expecting that God also will create moments like that with us. And when you know that you have a purpose in life, you are going to look for those moments. You are going to look. So that is a word from the Lord for us tonight. So by the way, but the way the Lord brought Samuel and Saul together, there was no doubt that it was God. So it doesn't matter what the situation looks like. It doesn't matter what low esteem Saul had. What mattered was God's purpose for his life. And that is how he became king. Now, I love the story of Noah because God has a purpose for Noah as well. So Hebrews 11 verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. There's so much power in this scripture. 
the story about Noah. Now we know that God was very upset with the people that he created. And the scripture says in Genesis 6, if we go from verse, uh, I think, verse 5, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So this sounds very evil, okay? Verse 6, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So, I want to I go back to the scripture, the fact that Noah was divinely warned. This was God's hand for him, um, and that he knew, he knew about things not yet seen. Now, the things not yet seen was obviously the God's um, wrath on the people. You know, this, this was definitely, but the other thing was the rain. Now, I want us to go back to the story of Noah and think in those days, Noah was one brave man because there's never been rain before in the, on the earth. God, they say that God actually watered the earth with dew and mist. So there's never been rain. So when he told them that there's going to be a flood, I can only imagine the people's response. I mean, are you, they must have thought he was crazy. And I can even imagine him starting to build the ark and telling them, and it looks like a ship. They've never seen something like that. There's never been a need for something like that. But the life of Noah to me is a picture of the power in purpose. Because Noah was divinely warned. God told Noah things about to come. And this is what God does with us as well, especially in the times that we're. He will tell you about things to come. Noah moved with godly fear is the next in that scripture. But that fear is not, he wasn't scared of God. It was reference for God. Noah, God was the most important person in his life. God was the voice that he followed. I don't know. Now, if, you know, if we think about how long it took, I think they say from the day that God decided to bring the flood until the day the flood started was 120 years. That was the grace of God for man. I had this revelation and it just amazed me that God loved the people that he was so angry with so much. He gave them grace for 120 years to see what Noah is doing, to hear what Noah is doing, to watch what Noah is doing, to see this. And obviously Noah was talking to him and because everybody was asking, crazy man, have you lost your mind? What are you doing? And he was getting up every day. Guys, hundreds in 20 years. I might have had difficulties for two months, maybe a year, but hundreds in 20 years? Isn't that just amazing? But that to me is the picture of the grace of God for those people. One day when they get, when they meet the Lord, they're gonna, not going to be able to say, well, we didn't know what you were doing, you know, you know, what was, you just hated us, that's why you let us be killed in the flood. No, he will say, I gave you Noah. Noah to me was the perfect picture of someone who believed God. 
He had a word from God, but he believed that to do something for all that time. I think, I don't, it's not 120 years that he built the ark. I think what they say, 98 or something like that. There's lots of fighting about the numbers. But doesn't matter, make it 90 years. For 90 years every day, this is what Noah did. And all those people had the opportunity to repent, to turn back. But this is the grace of God for us. This is, this is the grace of God for us. So we must know that Noah's act of faith was a judgment to the rest of the world because he was showing them that I am doing this, God said this, if you're not doing this, you are judged, you are going to die, okay? But it doesn't matter that Noah mean that he was a better person than the other people. No, Noah had a word from God. We have a word from God. We always have a word from God. God says, Jesus said, these words I speak to your spirit and life. My words are spirit and they are life. So when you put my word together with something, it's going to work. God's word works always, it does. It means to me that if one man, Noah, could trust and believe God, then other people could too. And if Noah could believe in the time that he lived in, it means you and I can believe in the time that we live in. Because I think there's a, big, a big, there's a big difference for me between Noah's time and our time. So let's just quickly look at who was Noah. Verse 8, I've read this, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It was ultimately the grace of God that saved Noah and his family. And the same way, this is how we saved this is the genealogy of Noah, verse 9, this is Genesis 6. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. And now today, because of Jesus, we are a just man and a just woman because we have received Jesus' righteousness. And then I love the ending. This, to me, is my scripture for the, for the week, uh, the end of verse 9. Noah walked with God. One of the translations says, Noah followed God. If we just walk with him. You know, sometimes I know I've been feeling lonely. Sometimes you think you're overwhelmed with something. But Noah, that's why he could do that for all those years. Because he walked with God. That's the call on our lives, is walking with God. And then God promises in verse 18, he says, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you and your family. God has established a covenant with us as well. We can stand. He brought us from the kingdom of darkness in the kingdom of light. Verse 22 says, Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. This is faith. Faith is to do what God says. To live according, I call it the grace instructions that God gave us. Because every instruction from the Lord has got grace attached to us. it. So our purpose comes alive in us when we respond in faith on God's grace. Now how does God speak to us? Through his word, he speaks through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he speaks through other people, he speaks through a still small voice. He's always speaking. Now, this is what the life of a believer should look like. Revelation, response, and rest. When I hear the word of God, 
And then I hear that word, and I always say that word come alive in my heart. It becomes my only relation. And then I respond by faith on the word, and then I rest. I go into my place of rest because I rest in the finished work of Jesus. Revelation, response, and rest. So our lives are summarized by our response on the word of God, what we have heard and what we are hearing now. Okay, so my life right now is a picture of how I have responded on God's word. Your life right now is a picture of how you respond on God's word. Now, God's purpose family is God's grace to us, and Jesus is God's grace to us. It's his ability living inside of us, in us and through us. It's his favor surrounding us like a shield. That's what we receive from him. So there's an ongoing conversation always between grace and faith. Grace is saying, I love you. And faith is saying, thank you, Lord. I receive your love. And grace is saying, you are healed. And faith is saying, I believe I receive my healing. There's an ongoing conversation between grace and faith. Because there's a purpose in our hearts, because this purpose of God is alive, this is the way we live. So let me recap for you just to remember it. God is the source of my power. My purpose will bring God glory. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> God's purpose is fixed, it's unchangeable, and it can't be undone. You can believe it, and if you believe it, you're going to receive it. That's what Jesus said. <laughs> God's purpose is last, and it has results. God's purpose is power. Because Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes over you. That's a promise we have. So let's just end off with Proverbs 19.21 again. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that's going to stand. God's purpose for your life will arise. It will accomplish. It will confirm. It will endure. It will be strengthened. And it will succeed. We are called to change this world. And I know your hearts are all for Jesus. So nothing is stopping us. Because with God, nothing is impossible. Let's go reach out our hands and heal the sick. Let's go pray for the lonely. You know, I always say, this is what God has done for us. If you feel lonely, go visit someone. If you need a hug, go give a hug. If you're sick, go pray for someone who's sick. There's that story about the lady who had cancer, and two years later she was healed because she never even went. The doctor told her, and she decided, no, I'm just going to travel the world and pay for, pray for everybody who's cancer. And she thought two years later, maybe I should go just to have a test, and the cancer was gone. This is the testimony. What you want, what you need, go give it away because this is the purpose that God has given us. I believe that God washes us in his word tonight so that our lives will never ever be the same again you've got a purpose and i can't wait to see this world will never ever be the same again if each and every one of us stands up and say lord here i am i want to walk in this relationship with you i want to see what your purpose is for my life we don't always know we don't always have to know do what is right in front of you let the holy spirit lead you god loves you let's just say thank you 
para você, para você. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Under the sound of my voice, we are being healed tonight. We are being made healed. Our lives are being restored. Oh, Father, I say thank you for finances tonight. I say thank you for job opportunities tonight. I say thank you, God, that you bring life, that there's going to be children. I say thank you that teenagers is going to be the strongest ones in generations ever, in this generation. I speak your power into them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you wash us and bath us in your love. Thank you that we never have to feel lonely again. Thank you, Lord, that as we walk tonight out of here, anybody who reaches out and touches someone, something will be healed in that life. Something will be restored in that life. We give you all the glory. Oh, Father, we just want to glorify you. You are our King, Jesus. You are mighty. And thank you that you came and gave us a new life. And I speak abundance over every person in this place, over their families, over their friends, over this, uh, this Cape Town area, over Cape Town. Thank you, Lord, that Cape Town is rich in Christ, that Cape Town is healed in Christ, that Cape Town is peace in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that Cape Town is the place of God's love. In Jesus' name, we love you, Lord. Amen.